You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. He's got it! Oh, baby! Every week, Travis Kura. That's Greg Cupney, which is a different person. And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Oh, nearly intercepted it is! And it's over! Ready, set, hunt! And we are part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. It's Travis Curra and Brazilian Ty. Ty, I got to ask you, what is the least favorite sound on the planet? Like I, <laughs> about 20 minutes before recording, I had some sort of issue with the setup here and I had uh, some crazy feedback going on <laughs> and it was like <laughs> to my, and I was like having it really, me- it was like a medical situation up here, <laughs> but I survived and I think we're all good. <laughs> I, I think for me, it's heart. The band. <laughs> yeah. Or ZZ Top. <laughs> Ann and Nancy are legends. Billy Gibbons is an icon. Yeah. I knew I shouldn't have asked you. I knew I shouldn't have asked you. But now I gave you the reaction you were looking for. So I just asked for it myself. <laughs> exactly. Just like Ticat fans. <laughs> yeah, if you guys would just shut up. Yeah, if you let Bomber fans or Ryder fans fill up Ty's notifications, those will become his targets. That's the, the team, secret but, here. But I mean, the teams in the murky middle, they don't get, they don't get the right. shrapnel. Right. <laughs> the ones that are either really, really good or really, really bad. They get it all. <laughs> or any team that employs Jason Moss. <laughs> Which is uh, a really, yeah. really bad team right now. <laughs> <laughs> this, this episode of Two and Out is brought to you by the Well Endowed Podcast by the Edmonton Community Foundation. It's hosted and produced by Andrew Paul and Lisa Pruden, and it explores the impact of passionate people who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. Uh, the Edmonton Community Foundation helps people create endowment funds and the podcast tells the stories of how these endowments intersect with episode 131 is the latest episode of the well-endowed podcast and they look at how bias and data gathering can impact representation of communities it should be a good listen so subscribe and listen to all the episodes at the wellendowedpodcast.com all right ty here we go week 15 just when everybody thought that these three games might be the most predictable three games on the CFL schedule. I think this one was the most up in the air, Saskatchewan and Edmonton. Yeah. The other two, ooh. <laughs> but we yeah. will start Saskatchewan and Edmonton. I'm glad we're not recording on Friday night. I've had a little bit of time to cool off and release the steam valve uh, coming out of each of my ears a little bit here. Uh, the riders falling. I, to I the got Elks. to read most of that <laughs> theme. 26 24. The Elks go to Mosaic Stadium and leave with a victory on Chris Jones's return to Mosaic. And you could tell that win meant something to him with the big fist pump at the end mm-hmm. of the game, but that makes it five losses in a row at Mosaic Stadium for the riders. What is it with? Teams in the CFL seeming to struggle at home this season. I, I don't the know. Last few. <laughs> well, I mean, fix this. I can't touch the ground right now. <laughs> my feet weren't flat. Okay, my, you're good. You're yeah. good. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know the two teams that are struggling at home, like without, like not not including the Riders, are obviously struggling all over the place for the most part. Yeah, so I don't. Yeah. I don't know if home or away really matters at that point. Yeah. I, for the Riders, you look at their schedule, it's been Winnipeg. It's been BC. Uh, the Elks come in who probably playing a little bit better football than we expected them to be playing coming out of Labor Day in the rematch. Well, what's crazy is they give Edmund or Calgary a challenge on Labor Day and then get and then crushed get, at get home. Get rolled, yeah. Like, I, I don't know if it's pressure because you have that whole protect this house mentality in every dressing room, right? Like you, you're expected to go 500 on the road and yeah. 
and take care of business at home. And, and teams aren't doing that. I don't know if it's the added pressure or not, especially in Regina. They have the blackout before the game. You know the crowd's amped up. They're going to be all over you. Jump out to that early lead and piss it away. Well, right now the Elks are 500 on the road and winless at home. <laughs> so they're doing, you know, their job uh, such a- <laughs> on, on half of their, their schedule. Yep. But you're right. The Riders had a 10 nothing lead. Uh, it looked like th- they were going to take care of business in this one. But after that 10 nothing lead, it, it kind of just fell apart. Mm-hmm. And it's not as if Edmonton played a completely clean game. They no. had 158 yards in penalties. They were fumbling the ball all over the place. I mean, th- it's lucky that Saskatchewan didn't pick up even half of some of those balls that hit the turf. Mm-hmm. One of them, uh, it was a command center thing, and maybe you could say that, yeah, it did look inconclusive, but the whole not recovering a fumble immediately, I don't know. That I think that's one of the dumbest rules in football, but the Riders had all sorts of opportunities to make things happen, to complete some of these turnovers, and they just didn't. Like, even when Edmonton, Darrell Walker... I don't know. He had to get a pinky popped back into place or something like that. He he leaves and comes back before the three plays are over. That's 100% on coaching. So Edmonton presented Saskatchewan with opportunities, but <laughs> some of the same old stuff from the offense and the offensive line that we have seen this season, it happened where <laughs> the Elks are sending three and four-man pressure and they're facing five, six, seven blockers from the riders, and they're not even slowing them down. It, it wasn't even close when it came to O-line play. Uh, one team was a, a professional football team. The other one was a peewee offensive line. Like, it was terrible. I, I, was, I, wa- I re-watched the fourth quarter this morning, and I halfway through I kind of just gave up interest because it was, just, it was like I was watching the same thing on repeat. Yeah. Just turnstiles. Like, I thought we got rid of Xavier Fulton. <laughs> like, I don't get it. Like, I know Furland wasn't playing. I know Dan Clark's not playing. Mm-hmm. But, and, and Jeremy O'Day's taking a lot of fire right I, now. I can't believe Josiah St. John held out. And this <laughs> is the product that you get. But he had a couple solid games this season. It didn't happen. It didn't translate here. No. It was brutal. And that being said, the Elks controlled both lines of scrimmage. The Their offensive line controlled Saskatchewan's. And I know I make the the Marino jokes, but up They're the middle. They're one and five without him. I know. Nothing is happening for the Riders in the middle of the defensive line, and it's having a ripple effect. I know Lanier's not playing the concussion symptoms, but right now – Basically, choosing to spend money on Duke Williams over Micah Johnson is having a bit of a problem, isn't it? Say that again? Choosing to spend that kind of money on Duke Williams instead of Micah Johnson is is proving to be a bit of a problem. So you're saying that I was right. <laughs> That's literally all I heard. Everything you said after that. Was I, just think, I think we can indirectly blame it on Kenny the King Lawler for fleecing the Elks for $300,000 and setting the the receiver market in the Canadian yeah. Football League last I, year. I got to say something. Now that we do Zoom, it's way more fun to see my own reactions when you say stuff. <laughs> you don't care but, about seeing me. You just want to see no, yourself. I, I can't stop looking at my mustache. <laughs> and when I know... They, that even oh, Micah Johnson wasn't getting the sack numbers, but he mm-hmm. had an impact. Drake Nevis. Yeah. It's like you have to have that interior line to have success with your with your defensive ends and your outside yeah. linebackers. Yeah. Uh, before they had signed Duke, I had said that you can't overpay for the, for him. You can't because you're going to leave holes everywhere else. We, we've seen teams overpay quarterbacks, which makes a hell of a lot more sense than overpaying a receiver. But that this leaves too many holes, and now he's hurt. He's, you know, doing some stupid stuff every now and then, yeah. which I mean, it, it, that's not overly surprising. Yeah, some of the He's kind of got somewhat yeah. of a history. But you know, when you have Shaq 
and Keenan Schaefer Baker, and you still have Kyron Moore when he's healthy. Like you, you don't need Duke, I don't think. And it it just it leaves too many holes because of the salary cap situation. Not mm-hmm. only that, but the coach's cap and the front office cap, you're now ham- hamstrung that way because you've got three guys that are going into next year, the OC being one of them, under contract to the end of 2023. Mm-hmm. So are you willing to pay somebody against the cap to go home? Jeremy O'Day has been taking some fire, but, I mean, he did make a lot of moves. Sankey mm-hmm. coming in, Dean coming in, Moncrief coming back, Duke I mean, coming the money, in. The money he spent on, on defense, especially at the linebacker position, I think was the best money he spent yeah. in the season, for sure. I, I don't think it's a question at this point. Making the trade for Alford, but yep. it's the – it's the offensive line, and this year with the depth, I think at receiver, the the Canadian receiving talent, and drafting a receiver in the first round instead of an offensive lineman, mm-hmm. I think. So the Riders were originally supposed to host the 2020 Grey Cup, and if outstanding circumstances in the world don't happen, they have a very good offensive line with Brendan Labat, and I Here think I think that. He really relied on Labatt coming back mm-hmm. this season without the restrictions, and it didn't happen. And Clark getting hurt, it is not <laughs> It's yeah. not good. And with four games left in the season, I know lots of Ryder fans demanding change. I, I don't see it helping. No, and you make changes now. Like, what What is your end goal to make these changes? Right now you're in a playoff spot. Yeah. Do, do you ride that out, try to go through the East? Because if there is a year, I mean, how many I don't know, look have, at the East. How many times do we have to say it? <laughs> if there is a year where a West team can beat the East in the East final, this is the year. It, that's a broken record. It's probably not going to happen. But do you want to take your chances and go that route? Or do you start making changes for next year and you still go to the East unless Edmonton catches you or unless you absolutely implode and, and Hamilton goes on a – yeah, magnificent on a huge run, and and you miss. Like, at the, if you make changes now, you still make the playoffs, and you lose. Okay, but now you're going to be upset that you lost because oh, you made, like, there's no pleasing this fan base. We both know that. I know. I don't that. think it matters what Jeremy O'Day does. And I anything short anything short of a great cup every year is seen as blow it up. I, I think that. Cody Fajardo is going to take the fall. That's what I see happening here. Um, I mean, fair one, enough. I would cut the head off the snake first. Fair enough. I, I, he's not all of the problem. Um, no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. But I, I think part of it. But. We know that he's not the uh, elite talent that Nathan Rourke is. Let's just throw the name out there. He, he doesn't have that ability to get up the ball that fast. He's not as accurate on the deep ball. So he needs a good supporting cast around him and a strong offensive line. It's just not there. But, I mean, up until this point, the Riders have uh, relied on the defense to keep them going. And it didn't happen in the Banjo Bowl. It didn't happen here. Some of the tackling displayed by this, I thought, championship-level defense is not like... I I saw runs from Darrell Walker getting all the yards after Mm -hmm. catch he wanted. Taylor Cornelius, there was... And he he had 93 rushing yards himself. I mean, Darrell Walker and Taylor Cornelius get paid as well but walker i mean he had 56 yards after catch 109 yards hey two consecutive 100 yard games for him so good mm-hmm. for him he did have a, he was fighting the ball a little bit he was big on the final drive but some of the missed tackles and missed angles from the rider defense yeah. it looks like they gave up as well i thought that maybe jason shivers was a candidate uh, to take over at head coach. I think a lot of fans were pushing for that. Mm-hmm. But with the way the defense is playing, with basically losing a D tackle, I don't yeah. know if that's an option anymore. Yeah, and if Garrett Marino is the reason the defense has done this, then I think the problems are run a lot deeper than we thought. 
Like I did Marino do something that other than anything we've seen to to get cut? I, I don't understand it or or were they just doing it because they knew or because they thought it would buy them something, some goodwill. Right. Because I know we had said it when he when he hurt Masoli the second time. And, you know, the antics after, like, I would cut him, don't need that stuff around. Like, may, maybe there's something to be said. Like, yes, you need glue guys. You need those guys in the locker room. Do you want them representing your team is another question. Yeah, yeah. But if, 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 if cutting him is what's turned this defense into what we saw Friday, pro- like, this, this wasn't a championship-level defense to begin with then. Yeah, I know. There's something, there's, there's a bigger issue. It's wild because they've got talent on that side of the ball. I know I know the joke with Nick Marshall is that anytime the ball's thrown his way, it's a good chance it's of being a touchdown. Six, it's a good <laughs> it's six points for one of the two teams. It could be either team. Just like that Dylan ball Mitchell. Is, that, that ball is getting caught. I don't Dylan care if it's by Mitchell. the receiver or Nick Marshall. Wide open. Number seventeen, a seventy seven yard touchdown. And hey, Kevin Brown, it looks like the Elks have found their number one running back, 14 carries, 109 yards, just under eight yards a carry. Mm-hmm. And, and Cornelius had 93. Like you said, like when was the last time you saw an offense with 200-yard – I'm going to call Cornelius a 100-yard rusher. Like you take basically, seven yards, yeah, yeah. Take seven yards away from Kevin Brown, boom. He had a 56-yard When was the last time you saw numbers like that from two separate guys? I know. And look, the Elks are now three consecutive games giving up a blocked punt. Um, <laughs> like, it cannot be understated how many opportunities the Riders had here. Oh, man. To, to win the game. And there was only really two successful drives from them uh, at the beginning of the game. And then in the fourth quarter, which I thought was terrible clock management, giving the Elks the ball with just over a minute to go. But on Labor Day, I said, you got to rely on your defense. Just a few weeks later, the you defense can't was rely playing on them. way better. The defense <laughs> was playing way better on Labor Day than Just two weeks ago, Friday. and yeah. now you can't rely on them. Frankie yeah. Hickson had 10 carries for 14 yards. The Riders were manhandled up front on both sides of the ball. Credit to the Elks for making that mm-hmm. happen. And I mean, this game. I blame everything. Coach Vic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Coach Vic making the trip from uh, Sylvan Lake all the way to Edmonton to watch his team win in Regina. I mean, <laughs> missed field goals, uh, two of them off uprights. I mean, this game. <laughs> when are we going to make balls off the uprights live? I, I think that would be chaotic and great. Even if, the, like, the field goal team the recovers it and goes into the, like, come on. Yeah, but no, then they only get three points, though. Be like it's be like on a two point convert. If you get a pick six, it's a pick two. I like this idea. Yeah. I really we're going do full. Like this idea. We're going full live golf with it. <laughs> so I mean, there you have it on this game. Braden Lenny has the one touchdown catch in the fourth quarter. Like I said, giving the Elks the ball back with sixty eight seconds to go. The the Keen Schaefer Baker getting three carries out of the backfield was really confusing me as the game went on. Um, he also had three catches. Shaq Evans had the catch on uh, third down, ended up being a 42-yard touchdown. And then later in the game on third and one, the Riders give the ball to Hickson six yards behind the line of scrimmage. But I digress. A very chaotic game, and going forward... Let's face it, the Elks just need to win at home. Can they do it at home? We've seen them have this success on the road and follow it up with an absolute stinker at home. Like if they somehow backdoor their way into the crossover, they're on the road. That's that's exactly what they want. But after Hamilton demolished the Bombers, is there going to be a crossover? I don't know. It's not a given. Not anymore. <laughs> it, nope. it looked like it was a foregone conclusion. In but, week four. Yeah. But now, 
I'm not convinced that Edmonton can beat Montreal at home. No, they're not. They got to play Winnipeg too, I believe. And then I'm not. And then they're back to back against Calgary in the year. Like they're they're up against it. Saskatchewan's got to play Winnipeg and Calgary twice. Saskatchewan's got to go to Hamilton over Thanksgiving, which all of a sudden (laughs) is a huge implication. For more than one reason, obviously. Like, if this week went the way where most people thought it was going to go, I think the rest of the season would be kind of, kind of boring. We, we, it would we just would, be we'd be jockeying for positions, and everybody yeah. would be resting guys and whatever. If you would have done a three-way or like a three underdog parlay, oh, because it would have hit this week, be forty-five hundred dollars on a hundred dollars. Wow. Like, well, in, in a lot of these, I think the closest game was the Calgary BC at a six yeah. and a half point spread or something. Saskatchewan yeah. and Winnipeg, according to the betting lines, were <laughs> predicted to win by more than a touchdown. So, yeah. <laughs> but like you mentioned, the fumbles, there's six fumbles in this game, none of them were lost fumbles. Yeah. And there were no picks. Yeah. Like, both teams took care of the football. Just that one played like absolute garbage. What a fascinating game. Like, God bless the CFL. Oh, man. Wow. And God bless college football because Alabama hit the over on their own and won the 200 bucks yesterday. <laughs> the Hamilton Tiger Cats, 48-31 over the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, my wife was kind of, she was cruising on her iPad as I was watching this game. And she made a comment on how many times I said, wow. <laughs> like, I was just a broke. I couldn't believe what I was watching. Owen Wilson? Wow. <laughs> Dane Evans with a, okay, take, take Nathan Rourke out of the equation. Dane Evans had an MOP level performance here. Yeah. Five touchdown passes. The confidence that he played with, he looked like an, an entirely new... He looked like the guy that the Ticats invested all of that yeah. time and money in to begin the season. He looked like the Dane Evans we saw lead this team to a great cup after Masoli went down. Yeah. <laughs> completely different guy. The, the offense, like the Winnipeg defense, and I know, and I think a big factor here was uh, there were some backups and some rookies playing in the defensive backfield, but the protection on Dane Evans wasn't was was there. The the pressure on Dane Evans from the Winnipeg D line was not there, and Jackson Jeffcoat ended up leaving this game. The the way that the Ticats dominated every point in this game. <laughs> Their fullback, Felix Garon Gauthier, is tied for the Three leading <laughs> Everything went right for the Thai Cats. They intercepted Zach Kalaris twice. They forced a fumble on him, Malik Carney taking it to the house. A dominant performance from the Thai Cats. They even ran the ball. Wes Hills had 10 carries for 5.8 yards a carry. And then I think the defining moment in the game, because we've seen this happen with the Bombers where they get down, but their composure is just, Mm -hmm. it's unmatched. Labor Day. Yeah. And they, they ended up being down 10 points in the fourth quarter. And Hamilton, earlier in the season, would have done something monumental to to blow it. But what did they do? 14 plays, 90 yards, 7 minutes and 20 seconds off the clock, ending so, that drive in a David Ungerer touchdown. Completely took the wind, uh, or any, the littlest bit of wind that was left oh, yeah. in Winnipeg sales was gone. Gone. Yeah. Um, and, and you look... Eating half a quarter look, in CFL football? Yeah. Forget it. <laughs> like... Good luck. Like, if you if you're not win, like if you're not going to win at least that quarter, yeah. Like forget the game. You got to win that quarter for oh, sure. You better, if you're gonna if you're gonna go if you're gonna have the ball for seven and a half minutes and walk away with a field goal, I expect you to lose that football game. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, but like you look, Evans with the five touchdowns, three hundred twenty-seven yards, had nine different receivers. Wow. This is what 
we thought Hamilton was, where they had guys that they could just get mm-hmm. the ball to. Anybody could just kind of get – anybody could go in any position. They would throw guys in where you weren't used to seeing them, and you could, and they would get a job done and, and, and just be this juggernaut that seemed to roll through the East the last couple of years. We haven't seen it. We see it. We saw it Saturday, and it's against the <laughs> best team in the league. I don't it, know what happened. Is it coincidence? Both bomber losses have come against the East Division on weeks before they're on a bye. Uh, like I, I you say, they're looking past them. But I don't. I don't see O'Shea allowing his team yeah. to look past the team or look to the bye. It's or a crazy coincidence, it? I guess. Coincidence, or is it if they get down? It's like, well, let's save our guys. We got a week of rest. We can use it now. But if you got that extra week, why not go all out? Like I don't. I think yeah. it's just a coincidence. I mean. But I, I feel sorry for the for the for the riders next week, <laughs> or in two weeks. Yeah, I mean the riders got they're they going to buy two, but they're going to get run over. If if huh, I can't say that they played, well maybe they did play <laughs> as bad as they did in the flu game on the banjo bowl. No, I think the offense actually played worse. <laughs> yeah, you said you said Cody Bajardo had a good game. So, look at that today. And I also said, did the, did the riders give the bombers that stomach virus? Yeah. <laughs> Keandre Smith had a 54 yard touchdown. Mention the David Ungerer touchdown. Tim oh, White. His only catch, six yeah. yards. Yeah. Tim White, two scores. Stephen Dunbar, another beautiful touchdown pass. And it was the way and the throws that he was making took real confidence like he was feeling it, like it was a completely different guy. I guess he had been working with a sports psychiatrist trying well, to get his He's got that dad strength and, now. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Maybe we got to get to work. No. <laughs> Absolutely not. I'm trying to imagine you as a dad. <laughs> wow. I wouldn't know how. I didn't have a role model. Yeah, that's true. That's, well. I got there. I got there somehow. You, you did. You I didn't feel think like I'd it's get... been a while. I feel like it's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> An Aaron Lewis reference. Wow. <laughs> uh, but it's not to say that Winnipeg didn't make plays. Dalton Schoen. <laughs> It feels crazy that yeah. this guy's having his first year in the CFL. Six catches, 158 yards, 26.3 yards a catch. Like any time that they need to find the guy, they do. Uh, Rashid Bailey had another solid game, five catches, 65 yards, and a touchdown. And Brendan O'Leary Orange, the Canadian, drafted in 2020. Um, coming in because of the injury to Drew Wolitarski, six catches, 72 yards. So, I mean, they were making plays on the Winnipeg side of the ball yeah. as well. It's just Hamilton, man, what a perfect game from the Ticats. Yeah. And not something we expected to say this week at all. Well, here's the question. Like, Uh-oh. well, the, this has to be a building block for the Ticats, right? 100%, yeah. And now they're going into Montreal. I know the Owls are coming off the bye, but they're going into Montreal with all the momentum. And suddenly, if they beat the Owls, they're five and ten. While the Owls are five and eight, so they do have two games in hand. That's that's helpful, or one game in hand. One game, yeah. yeah. So Man, that's helpful I've... for the Alouettes. This is a a bizarre season, but and then you take that same question. To the Winnipeg side, is is there a reason to worry here? We know that the Bombers are obviously beatable, and the teams they've struggled the most against this year are the East teams. I don't know if they just have trouble getting up for those games. I mean, they, they stomped Saskatchewan. They beat Calgary, but they had trouble with Toronto. They had trouble with Calgary, too. They did. They did, but they ended up losing to Montreal, losing to Hamilton. I know they're experiencing some injury issues, especially in the defensive backfield. I think it just comes down to the defense not being 
as dominant as we've come to be accustomed to from this Winnipeg yeah. team. Yeah, th- this is definitely the most beatable that they've looked. Even when they were winning games early in the year and, and everything, they, there still seemed to be just those those little nuances that didn't seem to quite fit with what Winnipeg had done. Yeah. And you're going to have roster turnover when you win championships. It's inevitable in a yeah. cap system. It happens. But they are – they're points four. They're plus 106. Second most points in the league to the Stamps. Right. Like, and they played just one more game. But Yeah. yeah. Like, this, this is still a team that, that is probably going to the Great Cup. I think we, we saw it last year too. They had their they had their stumbles and they they still got together. I mean, they weren't going to go eighteen and zero. I just think the way that they lost this game isn't a good look, and it might that might cause fans to panic. But I don't think they should. I think Oche will fix it. He's got to buy. It, it's going to be taken care of. I think it's just going to be a done. Yeah, it's because the Montreal one was just it was mm-hmm. so close, and it came right down to it, and the missed kicks and the overtime, that like. You would have yeah. been more expecting to see that in this game. Um, and just the way the Ticats have looked up until this point. But, and I know this sounds ridiculous, the Lions have a shot at the West Final. Wow. If, Mathematically, yes. If we see this Winnipeg team, and I know they're undefeated against the West. Oh, so, you mean like winning the West? I thought you meant hosting. I was like, well, yeah. Well, BC could win the West. They play yeah. Winnipeg two more times. <laughs> and, if, and if we see the Vernon Adams and Antonio Pipkin that we saw this week and Look, James Butler. <laughs> I still think that the the Bombers, I think they, they find, they dig deep when it comes to playing the Western teams. Yeah. Well, they're 7-0 um, and against yeah, the West. Like, yeah. it's, it's crazy. With Edmonton, by the way, 1-9. and nine. Um, Why? Why do you do this? <laughs> the Riders, their three wins against the West, both one, two came against Edmonton, and uh, one against the Nathan Rourkeless, uh BC Lions, who all of a sudden they look like a different team this week it's as like well. Like me playing foosball against my nephew. <laughs> no spinning, and then I just kill him 10 minutes. <laughs> so, hey, the Lions still have a shot. In the playoffs, which, which, which is fascinating. And I mean, if they get it, what are the chances that works healthy? Why well, no? And he was on the sideline in the BC Calgary game. Let's talk about that, where the Lions beat the Stamps thirty-one twenty-nine. Rourke was there. Rourke did say he is optimistic. And what else is he going to say that he's going to yeah. make a return at the end of the season? Um, it's unfortunate that the things overshadowing this game was calls on the field by the officials. Weird. And incidents after the game between the two teams. (laughs) The best. (laughs) Like, I know that people are going to say it's not a good look for the CFL and it's, 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 was it a good look when Mike Milbury beat a guy with his own shoe? Probably not. But we talk about it still. They show it on TSN. 40 years later. And it's hilarious. Get over it. And then he went and ruined another franchise when he took over the Islanders. So in the first half. He screwed New York so hard. Dominic Rimes gets called for offensive pass interference. And then, which was, uh, really? And then in the second half, the... I guess it was technically a penalty on Jameer Thurman who who gives Vernon Adams a a shove and Adams ends up tumbling. The manager nobly flop. <laughs> the the pass interference on Ruffin that uh helped BC take the lead on that uh touchdown and then <laughs> two of those actually came on the one drive, the Thurman and the PI. Yeah. But I, I just don't understand when sometimes it'll be like the command center is going to step in and pick up flags and fix things. And then the next week it's like, ah, whatever. One week it's, it's mom running the play date. (laughs) The next day it's the dads and they're drunk in the backyard and they don't care. Yeah. Beer and pizza in the command center. Go kill each other in the backyard. Go play in traffic. Do whatever you want. (laughs) 
Yeah, and then the next week it's Caesar salads and kale smoothies and all yeah. this kind of stuff. Oh, no, well, I'm not drinking this weekend. No, we got a big day planned tomorrow. Might end up at Bed Bath & Beyond. I don't know if we'll have time. <laughs> but the Lions win the season series with the Calgary Stampeders. They win the two games by a combined three points. Yeah. Okay, we didn't talk about what happened after the game. We'll, we'll get there. Uh, they win these two games. They play again on Saturday. They're probably going to play in the playoffs. If this if this playoff started tomorrow, it's BC Calgary West semifinal. But I, I think NBC. Yeah, and I think after this one, BC's eh, they're looking higher. They're, they're looking at first place. And if they beat Calgary again on Saturday, first is. A real possibility, and those two games between BC and Winnipeg at the end of the season are going to be mm-hmm. uh, remarkable. But I just think from the start, it was an entirely different Lions team that we saw the last couple of weeks. Vernon Adams uh, gets his first start. He got himself into a trouble a few times. We did see him running around in the pocket. He fumbles the ball, and that ended up being pretty big. And, I mean, we saw classic VA with the big hurdle, and he flips over the guy. But as the game went on, I think he realized that, hey, I can throw to Dominic Rimes. Hey, I can throw to Brian Burnham, and these guys are going to catch it. (laughs) I mean – Lule found that out about Brian Burnham. Mike Riley found that out about Brian Burnham. Like, I don't understand why it takes guys so long to figure this out. He's one of the best. <laughs> like, yeah, we we don't really consider him a possession receiver, but like he catches everything you throw at him. Like, I don't know why you wouldn't have the utmost confidence in him early in games and get that ball rolling because that's a recipe for success with any quarterback. And, man, I know that the Stampeders and Jake Mayer can they can be explosive one drive, but I think they're still trying to find that consistency mm-hmm. with Calgary as well. I mean, right off the bat, what a beautiful play. Malik Henry, a 77-yard touchdown. He had four catches for 107 yards, but... That, that exposes some things going on with BC. Uh, they're without Delvin Bro. They're without TJ Lee. And when you're without those veterans in the secondary, you're going to have some mistakes back there. And that's what we saw. Malik Henry with the big touchdown. But the Stamps, it's almost like they punch you all game long with Kadeem Carey, with Reggie Bagleton, Malik Henry. And then in overtime, the Canadian Jalen Philpott getting the touchdown. Late in the fourth quarter, Luther Hakunavanu getting the touchdown as well. Uh, and those were both plays where those receivers were wide open. So yeah. it looks like miscommunication in the secondary again. But on one hand, it's uh, the Stampeders hitting you with Henry and Bagleton. Both playing and, a little bit of possum, and you just totally forget about the other guy. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And those guys are making plays. And Hakuna Vano, since Labor Day, he's starting to be, I think, that, I don't know, back or threat a little bit yeah. for the stamps. Dino, Dino Cicerelli sitting at the side of the open yep. net waiting for, <laughs> waiting for tap-in rebounds. You forget about him, then late yeah. in the game, boom, oh, yeah. yeah. One of the best names in the CFL is on the stat That's, sheet with a touchdown. Man, we need to do that at the end of the year. We should build a list. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Say that. like That's twice. Did I say you're episode. right? Yeah, it's twice. <laughs> in the same day. Just monumental. Is it an all-time record? I think so. <laughs> Never heard it from anybody else. So. Also, the Lions' rush defense needs to be a little bit better. And I, I know in the CFL, when when teams get down, even if they're down a score or two, they they completely abandon the run. Yeah. Kadeem Carey had 6.1 yards of carry, but the problem was they only gave him the ball 10 times. And whenever he got it, it seemed like he was making things happen. I mean, the financial, I, I saw this in uh, J.C. Abbott's article on Three Down Nation. You're paying that guy the money. I I, I think you got to give him the ball a, a little bit more and help out your young quarterback. But the, the, the positive is, is that Calgary uh, Mayor didn't throw any interceptions, so... That's good for yeah, another, too. Another game with no picks. Yeah. 
Yeah. For, for both quarterbacks. I mean, you don't see that right. very often. Um, but yeah, like with Kadeem Carey, they only gave him the ball 10 times, still got the, got targeted five times coming out of the backfield. So that kind of helps with your, like if they're quick swing passes and stuff like that, it kind of just an extension of the running game. Yeah. But with what they're paying him to do, like, I don't understand when they go away from it so quickly. You're averaging 6.1. You take out the 26 yard rush he had, and it, the average doesn't look that great, but it's still around five. Yeah. Like, yeah. Or I guess it still looks good, but I mean, compared to like you're getting 6.1. So without that long rush, it's still around five. Like, I mean, you're putting yourself in second and manageable. And if, like, I just don't get why like, I understand the mentality that teams are down and they don't want to waste the clock. And it's like the first quarter, second quarter doesn't really like you're not going to waste that much clock. No, no. Running the football and trying to set up your offense. And because if you just throw, like, BC, yes, two veterans out of the lineup, that's a huge loss in that defensive backfield. This isn't, you, you can't just air it out all game, every game. Mm-hmm. Like you got at some point you have to establish the run. They didn't. It almost didn't cost them, but they didn't win the game in the end. The uh, BC Lions were also without a veteran offensive lineman in Suk Chung, which is actually mm-hmm. remarkable. This is what week fifteen, and it's the yeah. first time we've seen a different Lions offensive line. Last the year they had time. eleven in twelve weeks. Well, and that's the Riders this year. It's just yeah. a completely different offensive line every single and, week. And we haven't talked about their offensive line because they haven't been hot garbage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I realize that the, the quarterback early in the season helps with that. Absolutely. It, it does help with that. But Andrew Peer, Pearson comes in, makes the start, and it really seemed like they didn't have much of a drop-off. Mm-hmm. Uh, with their offensive line there, James Butler had 6.4 yards of carry. Two touchdowns. So if you spent the money on him in fantasy, you were happy with James Butler. He also added another four catches. And, yeah, the aforementioned Brian Burnham, seven catches, 100 yards. Dominic Rimes, five catches, 91 yards. It just seemed like the calmness for Vernon Adams Jr., who had himself 25 of 32, and I know there was the fumble, but 294 yards and kept the Lions in it, and they they just had a completely different feel. Oh. And, of course, they do go to overtime because Renee Paredes misses the 48-yard field goal at the end of the game, so the Lions had the chance to get that ball in overtime and win the game there. Renee Paredes, man, I know he's one of the most consistent Kickers in CFL history. Isn't he the most consistent? I think he is. I think he's got the best field goal percentage, but missing a big one here. I remember the playoff game in Saskatchewan last year. I didn't say it. You can piss Calgary off. (laughs) I mean, I mean, it had to. It had to be mentioned there. Yeah. some big moments in the last uh, few seasons haven't gone his way altogether, although still one of the best kickers in the mm-hmm. CFL. Uh, and then after the game, it is said, I'm just going to tell you what I heard or what just we telling you, Telling you what I heard, not telling you it's true. Yeah, so... I guess Lucky Whitehead was uh, taking trash talk a little too far with Cameron Judge during the game. I guess his uh, family became a part of the conversation, and Lucky's face ended up meeting Judge's fist after the game. I don't know if this happened on the field. It's kind of he said, she said kind of thing happening right now. Okay, Fred Durst. <laughs> a limp biscuit reference. Wow. I just watched Trainwreck Woodstock '99. Okay. okay, and then I guess what happened is that the Lions ended up waiting for the Stampeders in the parking lot. Love that. Things I love ensued. everything about that. Then the police have to separate it, and these teams are going to be playing again in five days. Is this a senior hockey league game in Macklin? <laughs> It seems like it. This is nuts. The, what kind of, seriously, like, what do they do? Judge and Whitehead done? Like. Okay. Without video, I don't know what you can do. Okay, I know trash talk can go too far. I know that. It's not right to bring a guy's family into it. Um, is that a suspicion? 
defensible offense? No. I think if anybody, well, <laughs> if you're waiting in the parking lot for the guys, that's probably you can count on me waiting <laughs> for you in the parking. <laughs> How's the uh, thing? Oh, the nail, great! It comes out next week. <laughs> we can work like, in the one happy people... Gilmore reference of show. Yeah. Like you, you ask Gary, P- <laughs> <laughs> ask Gary Payton. Nothing's off limits when it comes to trash talk. But if you piss a guy off enough, you might have to pay the piper. Exactly. Exactly. It doesn't come without consequences. Yeah, you can yeah. say what happens on the field stays on the field, but sometimes it doesn't. We're not saying it's right. Well, I'm not saying it's right, but it happened. Yeah. Well, what are we? What are? What are you going to do? Is fix it? Like, we, I think guys are going to say what they're going to say. You're not going to have. You can't have rules for trash talking. I know, and I. And I I've talked to players before, and I like to ask them about the trash talking. When when the family gets involved, that's that's kind of next level stuff. Mm-hmm. But I I don't know if punching a guy if what said is true after the game is the way to deal with it. Oh, probably not. No, I mean I, I guess Judge didn't cost his his team fifteen yards during the game. So good exactly. For him. <laughs> Exactly. Just might not be there next week. <laughs> but there you go. Uh, what a wild week 15. Uh, I don't know what else to say about this week. Uh, although the, the riders haven't posted. I, I or, didn't I didn't lose any ground in Pickham. They all got him three. I went 0-3 and, <laughs> and I'm still in 22nd. Everyone got him wrong. Yeah. This episode of Two and Out brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. Life as a business owner can be hectic to say the least, and Alberta Blue Cross understands that. They offer flexible health, dental, life, and disability coverage for your employees. And even better, you can let your staff enroll and manage their coverage at any time on any device. That makes life easier for them and for you. You've got this when it comes to group coverage for your small business, and Alberta Blue Cross has got your back. To learn more and explore your options head to ab.bluecross.ca ty what did the fantasy numbers look like this week do you, do you want to take any guesses on who the top three quarterbacks were well dane evans yeah uh taylor cornelius yeah is third cody Fajardo? Ooh, almost he was fourth jake mayer 24.8 only about what two point three more than Fajardo or something like that. Yeah, twenty one point nine. So basically two point one, two point, yeah, whatever, two point nine. <laughs> I guess not a math guy. <laughs> okay, running uh, back Zach Claros was fifth. Uh, running backs James Butler ran away with it. There's James Butler. There's everybody else. Uh, he had twenty six point one. Kadeem Carey twelve point six. Kevin Brown twelve point four. And then the Hamilton running backs went ten point three and nine point six. I guess running back and fullback. And your fullback was fifth, and like nobody had huge. Games I think off after. the top of my head, James Butler was the only running back touchdown of the week. Yeah, I think so. Like that's that's insane. <laughs> it is wide receivers: Tim White, Dalton Schoen, Malik Henry, Rashid Bailey, and Stephen Dunbar Jr. for the top five. There but like James B- James Butler, more than doubling. Second place is crazy. Wow, it is. It is. Well, what was uh, Dane's total? He had uh, five 30. touchdown passes. Yeah, he had 35 points. 35 points. That Man. doesn't seem like it's enough. What a uh, what a performance from Dane Evans as the Ticats are set to go to Montreal for week 16. And then the, the Saturday doubleheader, we got Toronto, Ottawa, and Calgary, B.C., <laughs> I, I I think I've learned my lesson. I don't think I want to write off another week of CFL football ever again in my life. <laughs> Saying that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are the undisputed lock of... Uh, <laughs> Acknowledge them. <laughs> so there you go. The best two teams in the CFL right now. The don't Edmonton do Alex it. Don't do it. Hamilton oh, you're the worst. Hey, you have not trashed Hamilton this week. 
Well, because if I do, they just go to the top of their mountain and cry <laughs> and then yell at me on Twitter. Everything along the QEW 401, 404, 407, 400 is all Toronto. Just get over yourself. <laughs> it's all the same. <laughs> I, I want to load up a, uh, a comment that we had on our YouTube channel. I, I don't have... I don't have the username at the top of my head, but the comment goes something like, uh, the Hamilton Argos has a ring to it. <laughs> or is it the Toronto Ticats? I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, so we're going to get dis, dis We're going to get canceled in Hamilton. You want to make fun of the Argos? At least there's a Toronto team that wins a first round. <laughs> it's Theodore King. He says, I mean, the Hamilton Argos does have a nice ring to it. I like Theodore. <laughs> I, th- I think we're on, we can call him Teddy. Teddy, thanks for the comment. I'll and... play you. <laughs> thanks for the comment the on our YouTube channel. You can review (laughs) and subscribe to Tune It Out on your favorite podcatcher. And, hey, subscribe, uh, ring the bell, and leave a comment on YouTube as well. We really appreciate that. And you can see the progress as we go along of Brazilian Ties Handlebar Mustache, which I must say, I'm pretty impressed. I'm pretty impressed. And then when the Jays are eliminated, I'm going to shave the handlebars and I'll grow the Oren Larson for NFR. It'll be perfect. Perfect segue. (laughs) As long as he qualifies. He did well in Pendleton. That does it for week 16 of the 15 of the CFL season. We'll be back on Thursday to get you ready for week 16. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter. 